Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hi, Amy. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. I feel like I should list all the things you do, Andrea, instead of calling. <laughs> maybe, maybe at this point we should just accept it would take too long. So maybe that's just why each week just... we say a different one. We'll just rotate it. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Like I say that, and I'm sure people are like, "What? What does yeah, that mean?" Yeah, what does she do? <laughs> she does everything tech. Um, so we are here today. We thought, since it's February and miserable out, um, we would talk about family travel for spring break. Um, in particular, how you can handle intergenerational travel, travel with your kids, where maybe you don't want to spend all your time with your kids, kids at different ages, um, and maybe some great resorts and deals that are out there if you haven't really made a plan yet and time is ticking. Like, it's getting pretty close. So we have our amazing guests returning today. We are so excited to have Susan Pizera, co-founder of She's on the Go and founder of Moments on the Map. Hi, Susan. Hi, ladies. How are you today? Good. We are so happy you were able to join us today. Last time you were with us, we had that amazing show about surviving road trips and road trip <laughs> ideas. And we are all still alive. And we've probably all been on one since then. <laughs> because we followed your tips. That's why. Our children are still alive, I should say, because yes. we followed your True. tips. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. I think um, people have so many questions about family travel and it becomes both expensive. You know, you try to not have it be so expensive, be at different budget points, but also as your kids age or if you have a whole span of ages, it can get really tricky. Yes, it can. And one of the things with spring break travel is, you know, of course, I know right now it's getting close, but um, to plan as far ahead as you can, um, especially, you know, us in New York, um, they tend to raise the flight prices knowing that we're all trying to get the heck out of here and experience some warm weather or, you know, so it, um, planning ahead is key, but there are some great, um, choices and last minute deals that you can get if you, um, are willing to do the research for it. That's interesting. Where do you where do you start when you do research for these travel trips? Well, so road trips um, are, of course, um, the easiest thing to do um, last minute. But if you are looking to fly and go somewhere, I use um, sites like Skyscanner and Hopper. And the one good thing about Skyscanner I like is you can just plug in your dates and it has a choice that says anywhere. So it will give you the best oh. flight prices for all different areas of the of the world within the United States within Canada within Europe so you can really actually look and say okay this is affordable to me let me plan my trip and according to what's most affordable I love that because we're going to Italy in April and the only reason we're going to Italy was because I got an email in November from Delta saying, fly to Milan for $450. And I thought, oh, well, that'll never be over spring break. And it was. And I was like, we're going. <laughs> I was like, and that's another thing too, with um, both Skyscanner and Hopper, you can set up alerts. So if you know ahead of time, what dates you're looking for, and kind of what area you're looking at, set up an alert and they'll say, oh, the prices are really great. You should maybe buy now or keep looking, keep watching this trip. Um, the prices, we expect the prices to go down. So 
those are, Google flights. Also, you can um, have has some great deals, and you can also sign up for alerts on that as well. Yeah, I use Google flights for my alerts. Like right now, um, I've already put in January's uh, Consumer Electronics Show just to see what <laughs> flights are, and it's crazy because as if last year wasn't insane enough at over a thousand dollars when it used to be three hundred. This year, I just told Amy, it's $1,700 round trip right now. Well, I think you're so too just, far out. That's I mean, why. well, but no, because last, like two years ago when we went, I booked it this far out and it was $300 and it went up, up, up from there. So they just gouge. But now I have it on a tracker and every day Google emails me like it changed a dollar or changed $2. But I have other things set up as well. And it does email you and let you know, hey, it dropped in price or it went up in price. This is what it is now. This is what it was. Well, what else? So let's say, Susan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's say you're a big giant family. <laughs> like when I have to travel with my whole oh, we are a big family. Giant family. <laughs> you are definitely a big giant family. Um, but, you know, sometimes we travel, there's like 12 of us. Um you know, when, and all different ages, right? We could go from six to, you know, 80. What do you suggest when you kind of have this big crew of a family? Um, looking at sites like um, HomeAway and VRBO for homes instead of a hotel where you guys can have a room to spread out, uh, go to the grocery store. You don't all have to go to dinner at the same time. You can, some people can stay home and cook if they feel like it. Um, run off to their own section of the home for a little bit of, you know, privacy and alone time, which I always need, especially when I'm traveling with a big group. Um, so those, that would be my advice, not to look so much at the hotels, but to look at the vacation rentals, vacation rental homes in the area. That's a great idea. You know, we did that one year, we did that in Florida. And, you know, one of the things you have to be careful of when you do it is it'll say how many people it sleeps, but you have to really dig down into the number of beds <laughs> because chances are like you don't want to share a bed with your six-year-old nephew no, you know <laughs> or, so sometimes they'll say oh it sleeps 12 but then you look and it's like so many people sharing beds um yeah. it's hard to know sometimes how that breaks down yeah yeah definitely um look at the reviews of the home see if there's like if pull out couches are involved in that number of you know beds or how many it sleeps and who'd be comfortable maybe having to sleep out in an open area, that thing. But like you can rent a villa in Italy for way less money than, than spending, um, than a hotel stay in Italy. And I, we're looking at the planning that for this summer. We haven't even started yet. So I'm hoping that that works out for us, that there's something available. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. And then what if you want, what if, let's say you want to do the resort, the resort route. Let's say we're just all in. You want a place with like a kids club or something. Because I, you know, we should talk about this. But like, what do you think of those kids clubs? Um, when you have younger kids, they're great. And especially if they have that additional service in the evenings where the adults can go out to dinner alone and, you know, have have time without the kids. Um, for teens, I have to say, uh, most places that I've been to have missed the mark in that um, age of, let's say, uh, 13 to, you know, 18, 19. They really are bored. There's really not a lot of activities that are going to keep that age range interested. Um, there have been a few places I've gone that really have tried 
um, beaches being one of them. And they do, they did do a great job with their, um, teen clubs and everything. But I, I honestly think that, you know, just going to a place that has other activities outside of a kids club is that you would feel comfortable letting your child go to is probably, especially if you have older children like that, is going to be more ideal than saying, Oh, Hey, go, you know, go hit up the teen club. Cause right. my, my teens are not going to do that. Mine either. The teen club is the worst. And when you are doing that stuff with younger kids, one piece of advice I have, um, which is based on experience. We, we went to an all inclusive club once, um, not really by choice. We were stuck on an Island after a hurricane, we couldn't get off. And I, I was looking for a place to stay for the rest of the time we were stuck there. And I looked at all of the activities for little kids and it looked fantastic. And I called them up and I said, you know, uh, I've got two kids. Is there plenty to do? And they said, yes. And then when we actually got there and checked in, most of the stuff had been canceled because it was the off season. And they knew that it wasn't canceled like that day. Like they oh, just, yeah. yeah, they don't do most of it during the off season. And so my kids, even though there was like a fantastic kids club, they were so bored because most of the activities that go on were canceled. So they just had like the room open. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. Yeah, so that's annoying. Or check better than I did. Because <laughs> the last thing you want is to just, you know, see your kids sitting around doing nothing when you're on a vacation and paying all that money and you're like, go have a good time and there's nothing for them to do. Right. Um, when you go outside of like, say, the resort area and let's just say you're going to someplace like Ireland or like London or something like that, which, by the way, um, there's some really fantastic um, deals on flights now for the spring break going to Ireland and London. Uh, Norwegian Air has some great uh, round trip. You can go to London for around 350 round trip, uh, Ireland around 400. But I suggest when you do go to those places like that, you check into um, some the tours in the area. And Viator is a definite one of my go-tos um, for booking tours. And they have things, all the descriptions are out there. To, they tell you what age range those tours are good for. Um, they pick you up at your hotel, drop you off at your hotel. And it, you know, gets you out and experiencing things as a family. And again, if you look and you do your research, you're going to find those tours that, you know, have something that's going to interest everybody. I love that too, because I love having a neutral third party <laughs> that your your kids can't be so awful Usually, if there's yeah. like that tour guide, like they, they kind of have to keep it in check. Oh, I can disprove <laughs> that a little bit. Um, I also like it because it gets us up and out. Um, when we were in Japan, having that tour guide meet us in the lobby was key. And we would have just not gotten up in the morning. Right. Yeah, these they're and they're good. And especially like if they know because when you sign up for them, you have to tell them, you know, have a child, child's this age. They know and they're going to tailor their guide or their tour and maybe provide some information or entertainment that they normally wouldn't had you not, you know, had it only been an all adult tour. No, that's great. What else? Do you have any favorite places you like? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, I do. Um, I'm I, I, and I just got back. I love Quebec City. Mm. It's beautiful. And the food is amazing. It's not. Um, it's like being in Europe and not being in Europe. The U.S. dollar is so strong right now. So you can also go to Canada uh, for spring break very inexpensively. Um, it's not going to uh, be warm, <laughs> I don't think, at that time of year still. But you can still go and see uh, 
so much. Um, I love the Calgary and the Banff area up there. It's gorgeous. Same thing. You can get some great prices. Um, you know, and, and, you know, my kids are now at the age where, you know, they are into the food and they, they like to try and, and, um, you know, try different, uh, like they would try the poutine in Canada and try different dishes. And also there's so much history in that city too. That I don't know that they'd be so thrilled about, but it is a beautiful city and there is a lot to do. You can go on food tours, you can go on carriage rides. So I'm, I definitely recommend Quebec City in Canada. When we were traveling with our kids this summer, um, you know, they're both teens. It was not one of them was not always really into what we were doing. And we found the audio tour guides to just be invaluable. Like we would just say, okay, here's a selection of audio tour guides. Go away. <laughs> Listen to one. It's going to tell you where to walk. Bye. And we all had a better time. Um, another great place right here in the U.S. is, and I maybe this sounds odd to people, but Philly, Philadelphia is a great city. And uh, within driving distance of a lot of us um, here in the New York, New Jersey area, um, it's got so much. It's Again, you've got great food. You've got great shopping. Um, there's, you know, the Franklin Institute and Science Museum. It's, there's really just a lot, so much to do there too. And it's, and again, it's a quick trip and inexpensive. There's a couple of really great hotels that have, have some really good deals going on. The Windsor down in Philly, which is in the center of pretty much everything, is a great spot. And a really so. great train trip, like really yeah. short, easy train trip from here if you don't want to take your car. And don't they have that really great, um, medical museum you know what i have not been there but probably i don't know we've done a few weekends there and i don't know that i've seen a medical museum but it i mean you're right it is a fun place you know with kids well the franklin institute has this big huge giant heart that kids can actually go inside of it's really a cool place i liked it as an adult, like it kept my interest in how sometimes, you know, the stuff is a little too immature. This, this place was fantastic. We actually, um, above the, um, museum itself, the Institute itself, we were able to do a cable car ride on a bike. Like I was, I'm afraid of heights, but I did it and my kids did it and loved it. I mean, it really, they had That's a lot to cool. do. Wait, cable car on a bike? Yeah, it's like one of those, it's like a, I can't even describe what it was. It was like you, you, you were attached to cables and you pedaled the spike <laughs> over these cables across oh, the entire thing. So it was really neat. Well, I just found what I was talking about. And the only reason that I know about this museum is that when my kids and I went to Philadelphia, we were going to go and we didn't have time. And I was really disappointed because it looked so great. But it's called the Mutter Museum or the Mutter Museum. And it's basically like a museum of medical oddities and gross medical history oh, my stuff. My kids would love that. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> sounds like something you'd see in New Orleans. Yeah. So like if you have kids who are not all that into museums, maybe you can get them to go to something like that. Oh my God. We just go to Reading Market and eat because <laughs> we go to Philly yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Reading Market is amazing, right? Yeah. All the all the great local produce and the cheeses and the donuts. I mean, everything is so good there. Great so sandwiches I, too. My question is for these, if you're going on a trip, like say you're going to a new city like Philadelphia or San Francisco, and you want to go downtown and you want to go to museums and you want to be near public transportation, how do you figure out what's the best kind of neighborhood to stay in for someone who has no familiarity with the city? 
Um, well, I always look for where the, you know, the attractions are, the local landmarks. So, for example, when we did, we've, we've been to Philly quite a few times. When I was researching the first time we went, I was like, okay, what's kind of near everything but not in a crazy busy area? And I ended up at the Windsor, and we could walk to everything. You didn't even need to take a cab so or, or Uber or whatever. Um, so I always look for places that are near, you know, the, the some of the local attractions that we want to see. And the ones that are a little further out, then you do, you know, you go take an Uber. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm big on TripAdvisor, too. I have to say, like, diving down into TripAdvisor is so important because sometimes you think a place is looks great and then someone will say then you read you know, the reviews yeah it was above a restaurant it smelled all night or it was really noisy or you know whatever it is um that you just can't tell by looking on a map or like right. like i can't imagine anyone doesn't read reviews at this point but oh i get lost in the rabbit hole of reviews sometimes oh. <laughs> you're like oh my god that happened there oh right. my gosh, i'm not staying there <laughs> We've found that for restaurants, the most consistent reviews um, are on Google. And like the only time this past summer we had a horrible or even like slightly bad restaurant experience was when we ignored the Google review. Oh. And man, were we sorry. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, read reviews. I mean, look, you can and you can parse through the ones that are lame, especially um, I think with hotels when you don't see a response from the property. Mm then that's always so a red flag to me all the time. Like if a property is not in there trying to remedy negative reviews, then I think like they actually really don't care. Mm -hmm. And also some of them you can tell are just a singular situation that happened. You know, like if there's, if everyone is talking about the, the moldy, mildewy smell right. in, a, in a Caribbean hotel room, that's probably not the place you want to stay. But if everyone else says it was a great time and one guy's going on and on about how they were treated poorly, probably that's a one-time event or something happened with that particular group. Or go look at their other reviews. Some people are Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, my son, uh, when he was in school in Texas in the summer, he worked at this restaurant in uh, Austin that was new. And he said the managers were just a jerk. And like they had to do the butter a certain way on the plates. And I guess him and a bunch of his friends <laughs> got a like a, an anonymous email and did these Yelp reviews like, I love the restaurant, but I hated the way that they did the butter on the plate. <laughs> and like they had like 10 people do this negative review. And so like the next day they were like, okay, we're going to change the way we do the butter. And my son was like, all right, we got it done. But like you can go on Yelp and literally control what the restaurant does. That's oh my God. hilarious. Did you see that guy who like, I think it was in Ireland or England, he he made a restaurant up oh, yeah. and just got enough people to review it that like it like started appearing on lists. Yeah, it was on the, it was like a backyard shack. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Like his own backyard. Oh, my God. All right, Susan, what else do you have? I feel like we, we bombarded you with stuff, but I know you have, like, more. <laughs> Some of the places that I recommend right now for good deals um, at this late hour would definitely be London and Philly and, uh, you know, all over Canada and definitely Ireland. I mean, and Ireland's beautiful. Again, you're still going to be in not-so-warm temperatures, but there's so much to do there, too. And... I would say Florida, but not the theme park area of Florida. Mm. There, and Florida is beautiful. Like, if if have you guys ever been to Captiva? 
no. or, you know, that Sanibel area. It's beautiful. It's like being away on an island and it's also very affordable. And, you know, some people are crazy enough to drive and <laughs> and you can drive and save some money. Florida is, is probably more expensive to fly to right now than it is to fly to Europe um, at that time of year. But um, I would say if you are going to do Florida, don't do the theme parks uh, uh, during a spring break. Uh, but there's also so much to do. The keys are beautiful. Um, you know, the Everglades. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Everglades National Park. It's it's my kids oh, loved it. Beautiful. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So so funny. We've never done anything in Florida except Miami and Orlando. Like one time we had to drive across the state because our flight got canceled. <laughs> that was like it. We like flew into Fort Myers and had to drive across over through Alligator Alley. Um, but uh, honestly, it's interesting to me how little we consider um, places in the U.S. before yeah. we consider leaving the U.S. and how little of the U.S. my kids have seen. Well, it's funny because people, when they think Florida, they, they just think theme parks. And there's just so much um, to do um, outside of the theme parks. Amelia Island is beautiful. Um, like I said, Captiva and Sanibel Islands are gorgeous. Um, even like places like Jacksonville, which you wouldn't think are like great. They have an amazing zoo there. And it's close enough to, you know, beaches and everything. So I would I would definitely look at Florida as an option, but just not, like I said, the theme park areas. Right. You know, you've talked about um, all-inclusive. And I have to say, having an only child, that's something that we did a lot. You know, we went to one of those places, so it had a kids club or we could bring a friend. And I just hate being nickeled and dimed or, you know, having a kid go, can I buy an ice cream? And I like the all-inclusive. And what we found was there are no all-inclusives in the United States. I mean, we always had to go to an island or, um, you know, somewhere else. I mean, I think um, Club Med had one in Florida, but that was about it. I don't know if that's something that's becoming more popular in the U.S., but I don't recall ever finding many. Maybe they just know that Americans eat and drink too much to make the numbers work. (laughs) (laughs) That is probably true. No, I haven't found any in the U.S. either. Um, you haven't? Okay. No, I haven't. But you know what? Again, I haven't looked. Um, there could be some. I, I think there's some in Hawaii. And there is one. Actually, um, have you been to Woodlock Pines? I think. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. all-inclusive. So Yeah, that's, that's true. That might not necessarily be the kind of all-inclusive you're looking for, but. Mm, not so it's much. It's interesting. They're not like in the warm weather places. I was going to say they're like in like lodge they're like family lodge right. style more, right? Aren't a bunch of dude ranches all inclusive? Yeah, there's like? there's something in um, Tucson, Arizona, and that we were looking into. It's like, it's like a, called the Stallion White Stallion Ranch or something. Um, my kids have always wanted to go to a dude ranch. Um, I am up for anything, but it's definitely not on the top of my list of right. things that I want to do. <laughs> um, but that that you know having it be all inclusive would definitely be. Um, a benefit that I think there's one also in Colorado because I did do a little bit of research, but there really are very, very few in the U.S. And they're probably like kind of out in the middle of nowhere, even the ones that are in the States, because when you go to them on an island, like there isn't much else to do. Like it's not like you're in the middle of a city where there are other things to go see. So, you know, maybe they, they've found that they're just there isn't enough to keep people there when they want to go do other things. Right. Woodlock Pines was really interesting. I felt like I was on the set of Dirty Dancing. Have you ever been <laughs> have you ever been there? 
it's definitely, it's definitely, um, there's, there's so much to do and younger kids definitely. And during the winter, I think for me, cause they had tubing and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun, but it was, it was, um, definitely not what you would think of, um, for an all-inclusive and it's more of, um, rustic experience. So yeah, we went when our son was in, I can't remember if it was junior high school or very early high school. And we went with two or three other families. So it was great fun for the kids. And there was tubing and there was go-karting and it was like, you know, dining hall kind of eating, you know, big, big family share tables. And, um, and there was even a gun shooting range, which, you know, my son had never held a gun in his life. I think it was the one and only time he learned how to shoot a rifle. But I mean, they had fun. They had a lot of fun and it was, you know, it was relaxing, but yes, very rustic. I never knew about this place. It sounds like it would have been a lot of fun when my kids were little. Yeah. I mean, now they won't want to go with you. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I don't want to go with them. Another option too, I mean, even for spring, um, you, you there are places even uh, far north Vermont um, that will still have spring skiing, mm. you know, so that's an option to look into. And spring we skiing did, is great. Yeah. We did um, Okemo and I'm trying to think of what else. Camelback actually in the spring, which surprised me. Of course not, you know, at that time you can still ski, but not, you know, not all the lifts are open and everything, but it's still a good time and it's not as crowded. So um, that's another option for spring break too. If you have a family of skiers like we do, we're, we're actually leaving for Park City on Friday, Park City, Utah. And uh going to do some skiing out there for the break so that's fun all right well thank you susan this was great this was like such a good roundup of a million different options <laughs> and not a cruise among them like to add. <laughs> no. yeah <laughs> and if people um, want more they definitely need to check out your sites because you have write-ups on so many places yes we do and 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 again if you are interested in um, you know, travel for spring break, of course, plan ahead as far in advance as you can. But there are options that are, are less expensive, even at last minute. And feel free if you want. Um, my contact information will be uh, available to whoever's listening. Um, I know Rebecca and Amy will provide that to you. <laughs> we will. We'll have links to everything. You named a lot of places. So we'll have links to everything you you mentioned and make it easy for everyone. But of course, they should check out She's on the go and moments on the map. And thank you, Susan, as always, invaluable tips. And um, good luck to you traveling with your family. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I am going to need it. <laughs> Pack the wine. Yes. <laughs> and that was great. Thanks. Thank you. And we'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? Okay. So I was talking on Facebook the other day about um, – the documentary Three Identical Strangers, which really could just be my bite. Have you guys seen it? No. Okay. You both need to see it. It's really good. It's about triplets who don't know that they're triplets until college. Um, and it, it starts off kind of like, okay, that's a nice story. And then it takes a turn. So you got to watch it. It's excellent. I watched it twice. Um, but I was talking about it on Facebook and people were immediately like, 
oh, I wanted to see that. Where is it streaming? Where can I find it? And there's a site that I always go to for that, which is so handy. Like, you know, if we're all sitting around on a Friday night and we want to watch a movie and, you know, you want to see like if it's if it's on a site that you're already paying for, like Netflix or Hulu, or where's the cheapest place to rent it from? Like, is it cheaper on iTunes or on Amazon? And there's a site that I use all the time called decider.com. And you just put in the name of the movie and it'll give you all the choices. Like it, it'll tell you that Three Identical Strangers is on Prime Video and iTunes and Google Play and YouTube and Vudu and, and you can see it all in one place and then pick. So I just think that's a really, really handy site for when you're trying to find something streaming or for rent. Cool. Corey uses that site all the time just to like find out what's coming out on everything, yeah. like the new shows. and. All oh, that. yeah. They have lots of other good info, too. But I'm always like, OK, what of the 75 places that we're paying for <laughs> has this? Right. The Fire TV does that. Like if you type something in, it'll show you all the different ways to watch. Oh, neat. As long as you have all those different ways. You know what I mean? Like it's probably not right. going to show you iTunes right. um, or Google Play, but it'll say like it's on Netflix, it's on Prime, it's on Hulu. And it'll say like you have to pay for it here, free here. Yeah. Yeah. This one will say like you can rent it from this price. You can own it from this price. Cool. All right. Decider. Andrea, what you got? Well, on the theme of travel, so you know, you guys know that I love using Trello as an organizational tool. Yeah, you got me into it. Exactly. We we had a um, you know a really good shared board that we were doing, um, and I just love it as a way to keep organized. You also know that I can't remember a thing anymore, so if I don't write it down, <laughs> it's gone, gone. So my Trello is like exploding at the seams. And I was starting to organize some travel ideas of places I want to go. So this was a really timely segment for us. And there is just a great way if you want to organize a vacation. You can just use Trello. And they just put out a blog post about a way to do that. And they have some sort of contest and everything. But what you basically can do is organize your trip. You just like any Trello project, you do a to-do list, a doing, a done, and then you put like book a flight, research hotels, and you can move the card from to-do, to-doing, to-done as you go through. What's great about doing this in Trello and not just on a piece of paper is you can share these cards with people. So like, let's say, Amy, you want Jake to look at, you know, restaurants or uh, Rebecca, you want your kids to search out something. You can assign them a card and they put all the options. You can put links to different websites. You can put your flight confirmation right from your Gmail. Uh, There's an add-on for Trello. You just click add to Trello card and it goes on. So anyway, we're going to post a link to this so helpful way of organizing all of your ideas right on a Trello board. I think Trello is so great for people who are visual. Like I, I just love the act of like physically moving the card from one place yep. to another. It feels like it's 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 like crossing something out on a piece of paper. It just feels good. Yeah, it's like a checklist. You're just moving that to the done pile or then I'll go in and label it done. You know, I have a certain label color for it. But I mean, you just have like, if you check into the hotel, your confirmation numbers are right there. Your actual email confirmation is there. Um, you know, and then you just think about it and write it down. So you don't have to do it right that second. It goes on your to-do card. And their app is really good too. Yeah. And it's mobile. So, you know, you can have it on your phone and it just immediately syncs. That's cool. I don't think I've ever used it. And that's like 100% how I always 
organized my writing was with physical post-its mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. on a thing. Like I have to look at something visually laid out and I don't think I've ever tried it digitally. I, if you're used to post-its, I think you would do well with it. Yeah. Le- I call it post-its on steroids because it is it is literally like, you know, like when you plan a wedding seating or years ago when we did with post-its, like you would move one card mm-hmm. from one table to the other to the other. It's kind of it's just a visual way of organizing when Amy and I did our project. Okay, that's done. They answered us. Move that over to this column, you know, and you can add as many columns as you want. Oh, I love that. It sounds like a great thing to introduce your kids to for study habits and stuff, too. Yes, Mm -hmm. we'll post a link. And it's free. Yay. Free is good. Oh, my bite is free also. (laughs) So my bite is sort of a travel bite. Um, You have to get there. But it is the... National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C. My daughters and I were in D.C. this past weekend. One of them had a conference. So only one of my daughters and I were like free in D.C. This is the fifth time we've been to Washington, D.C. basically in the last three years. Like I can't tell you how many times we've had to go to D.C. for things. So we're sort of D.C.'d out. (laughs) But I had never been to um, the museum, which is relatively new. I think it's two years maybe. It's pretty new, and it's supposed Might to be impossible be... to get tickets to. So because of the government shutdown, oh. I think everyone had canceled their tickets. So I couldn't – so the, they released tickets the day of at 6.30 a.m. online. And I overslept, too. I woke up at 6.50, and I was like, <laughs> damn it, because everyone's like, you got to get on at 6.28. But they had a ton of tickets. So we got in at 10.30. We had a 10.30 timed pass. You can only get in with a timed pass. You cannot just like show up. They are do have same-day tickets in person sometimes, but people start lining up really early and they don't get through a lot of them. Um, and they release tickets on the first Wednesday of every month for the following three months. I think they released those at 8.30 a.m. online. So like they're diff- definitely different ways, but that one you have to seriously plan ahead. Um, we just got really lucky that I think the shutdown, and it's February, but I think it um, the city, according to all the Lyft drivers I spoke to this weekend, is taking a long time to come back from the shutdown. Things were empty. Um, I just think people didn't know how long it was going to go on, so they just canceled. Um so aside from the fact that it was amazing to be in D.C. and have it be empty, which was like so lovely, um, this museum is extraordinary, extraordinary. It is from the outside. The architecture is incredible. As you approach it, when you're walking up the mall, it like changes against the landscape depending on your perspective, but it looks like a massive slave ship in essence, like coming out of the wow. ground. And it's kind of unbelievable because it's next to George Washington, you know, basically it's next to the Washington Monument. Um, But it's all like this brass and steel and layers. When you walk in, you're on the ground floor, but the entire history part of the exhibit, you go all the way down. So you go down three stories underground and that's where you start. And it starts with um, before slavery, actually, it starts with the inter-European African trade system and how that was actually an equal trade system (laughs) that didn't include people Um, and then how that evolved and then into slavery and then it goes all the way through to the present kind of to the present actually goes all the way through to Obama (laughs) not gonna say it goes to the does not go to the present it stops at a happy place Um, 
but it is unbelievable. It is incredibly well done. It is remarkably gorgeous inside. It is just like the architecture is like nothing you've seen in, in an internal building, actually. It's just, it opens, you go up these ramps to go to each level. The walls are sort of concrete with these incredible quotes on them. It's totally immersive, interactive, um, and it does not sugarcoat anything. <laughs> And it's really a remarkable place. It reminded me, and I don't know how many of our listeners will have done this, but it reminds me of Yad Vashem in Israel, which is the Holocaust Museum in Israel, which, and it had to have taken cues from it. There's no way it didn't because the architecture, the way they move you through the museum is very similar. Um, At Yad Vashem, it starts very open and you are going through narrower and narrower passages as you go through the museum and you don't realize it, but psychologically it starts to sort of affect you as you move through the Holocaust. This takes the reverse. It starts really narrow through the slavery parts of it and you're winding your way through and it starts to like open as you are moving through history and starts to get sort of wider and feel more open and you're you're kind of going more towards literally towards the light at the top where you know the top floor um it's really remarkable i can't recommend it enough plan your trip around it if you go to dc it is a can't miss and i'm just i don't know it's very rare that a museum really does what it needs to do so well um but it was just beautifully thought out and really incredible and my daughter, who had already been there once before, was like, oh, my God, this was so much better the second time. Because the first time you're sort of just looking at, you know what I mean? You're taking it all in. The second time she kind of knew what was there. So she was able to really stop and like read and appreciate and see all these things she had missed the first time. Wow. Um, so I can't recommend it enough. I love DC. We went and we said happy birthday to Abe. <laughs> and we, uh, Next time I'm sending food. you, I'm sending you out to Georgetown to visit my son where he we went to Georgetown. I didn't know he was you there. Did. We, we oh, did a little walk around to, Georgetown. A little you could have gone to his restaurant and said hi. Oh, I totally would have. We ate a lot of really good food. And as a New Yorker, it was so cheap that I, <laughs> my, but my daughter and I were both like, I don't understand what's happening. Like we looked at menu prices and we thought, do you think it's like an appetizer? Like we couldn't figure out pricing. <laughs> that is how warped we are in New York now. Like literally like we went out to breakfast and the pancakes were like $7. And we're like, do you think it's like a pancake? Like what? Like we couldn't, I, I was, that was a whole separate thing that was really freaking weird. But anyway, um, I highly, I can't recommend the museum enough and it's hundred percent worth a trip to DC just to like go there. But obviously, there's so much more to do, too. I haven't been Uh, to D.C. since that was built. So I need to get down there. Get down there. Plan ahead. Um, I'm sure during the week, it's even not during the summer, but during the week, during the year, it's probably easy to get those tickets at 630 a.m. too. Um, And it's just on their website? It's on the website. There's just a, you know, plan your visit and you click on it. and It's like a online ticketing system and the pops down with all different times and you just pick your time and then you just show up with your red you know your ticket on your phone and they scan it and you go in it's free of course um because all the museums are free in dc basically but it's great can't recommend it enough so anyway that is our show for today thanks ladies thank you thank you and you can find everything we talked about today, all the links on parentingbites.com. You can also come to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash parentingbites to tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about or leave comments about today's show. You can rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast on Apple Podcasts or I think most places you find podcasts. Yeah, we're, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google, we're on Apple, and we're on uh, Spotify. All good I mean, places. what else do you need? <laughs> That's everything. 
Um, and so until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye.